Cheers, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. I have got a good show for you today. It's with Heather Christie, who's an award-winning author. It's kind of long, so I will get right to it, and I will see you at the end. Hey, everybody. I have got Heather Christie with me. Hey, Heather. Hello. And she is an award-winning novelist, and her book is What the Valley Knows, and I highly recommend it. And it is gut-wrenching, and it is emotional and wonderful and just as I'm turning pages I was just so worried about I know something was going to happen in this book and it was just but I didn't want to put it down to you know do other things because I wanted to know what was going to happen so I want Heather to start out by reading just a little bit from her book so you can get a, a feel for this book Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me today. This is a lot of fun. Um, I think what I'll do is I will read just the prologue. So just for anybody who's watching, it's not very long. It's just like a page. Um, and that'll give you a sense of the book. So I'll begin. Um, Molly Hanover lifted her chin. The pain was so sharp, her head slammed down onto the muddy gravel. Her teeth gashed her tongue and the copper taste of blood filled her mouth. She closed her eyes and the thump of her heartbeat pounded in her ears. This wasn't happening. She had to get up and find him. She needed to tell him something, something important, and her mother. She had, to, she had decided she would tell her mother too. They would help her. At the edge of the field where she had fallen, a few unharvested cornstalks jutted skyward. Late autumn grass sprouted in the weedy undergrowth. She lay splayed face down, her arm twisted behind her back, raw pain searing through her right shoulder. Where was he? Again, she tried to raise her head and tiny spurts of light exploded against the darkness. Chilly rain stung her cheek and blurred her vision. Her hair, matted with bits of glass, dirt, and blood, stuck to her neck. Help, she whispered. It was hard to concentrate, but she listened carefully, and she heard the soft ping of rain hitting her nylon jacket. Stay awake, she warned herself. Don't sleep. She rolled and saw the wet road sparkle in the vehicle's headlights. Maybe it was a bad dream, but the pain... The pain was real. Hot blood burned through the cut in her cheek. Her mind raced. The sharp edge of panic pierced her memory. There was a secret, a thing unspeakable. But it was gone. Whatever she had wanted to tell them had vanished. And then her world went black. So that's the prologue. I know, it gives me chills. I really liked it. Thank it's, you. um, it's, uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't say, well, it's young adult because the protagonist is a teenager. She's 16, 17, <clears throat> 17. And she's, and why don't you tell them just a little bit about, I don't want to give anything away sure. because it's so, something you should discover as you read the book, but if you could tell them just a little bit about it. Okay. So the book is told from three points of view, Molly, the prologue, um, the, the narrator in the prologue and she's 17 years old. She's a senior. She's the new girl in town. She's very shy. She plays in the band. 
Um, and then the second point of view is Wade, who becomes her love interest. And he's like the big man on campus, um, football player. He kind of has a drinking problem. And then Molly's mother, Anne. So the book, though, it's categorized like when we, you know, went to sell the book, we had to put it in categories. We put it in the young adult category, but it really kind of has its foot in two genres, like both sort of women's adult fiction and then YA too, because of the multiple points of view. Yeah. And, you know, as an adult, um, I can totally relate. I mean, I, I relate to Anne, I'm a little older than her, but I mean, I totally relate to her, but I can really relate to Molly and to Wade and to Legs and to all the, all the characters, um, even a little bit with Missy, who is the pissy cheerleader who's yeah. jealous of, of Molly and who mm -hmm. has her eyes set on Wade and, and all that. And um, is now you, this book, when, when it was published last year? In, well, it was published January 25th, 2018. Yep. Okay, so it's not even a year old yet. Yes, we're coming up and on a year. You have, you're a multi-award winning author now. So you've uh, won three awards, right? Right. Mm -hmm. it, and tell everybody what those are. Okay, so it won the National Indie Excellence Award for Young Adult Fiction. And then it won the Reader's Favorite Award, Young Adult Coming of Age Category. And it won the Maxi Award Young Adult category. So that was all exciting stuff. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, when I checked, I mean, I, I remember when Lisa first gave me the book and I put it in my pile to read. And then I just kept getting more books from people, more books. Yeah. And, and then I said, I have got, Lisa just went on and on about this book. I have to pull it out from under. And I started reading it like, ooh. And um, there were, at the time, there were just a few reviews, but you've got like 100 reviews now on Amazon, which is fantastic. Yeah, so, so that's been a challenge. You know, as an indie author, um, you're so dependent upon reviews, you know, trying to build reviews. So it really has come down to like, oftentimes just asking people, like if they say, oh, I read your book, Heather, and, and if they act like they liked it, <laughs> they'll say, oh, well, maybe you could put a review on Amazon for me. So yeah, I found that's the best way to get reviews for any other writer who might be watching is just to ask for them. Yeah, and if you're like, Melissa, reader, you're going to do a review for me, right? When you're done here, <laughs> reading oh, yeah, the book. Yeah, and if you're a reader, leave a review. You know, yeah. even if you don't like the book, leave a review because it helps the reader. And I, as the reader, will read reviews and I'll read the good reviews and the bad reviews just to get a feel for what the book's about. And that helps me decide to buy books. So it just helps everybody. Leave a review once you've read the book. So I'm, I'm in my living room. My, I'm usually in my office. So I usually have boards next to me with all my post-it notes. So they're kind of scattered all over food items in my kitchen here. <laughs> so um, um, I, I like to give uh, my viewers or my listeners just kind of a feel for the kind of person the writer is. Because for me, I like connecting with who the reader, or who the writer is. It, it, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm, I, I know them a little better. So um, I'm gonna, I wanna start with, um, there was one here I wanted to start with, okay. Uh, we were just talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, I, ha I had shin splints, which everybody knows I've been complaining about them. And so I was on the couch for three weeks and I couldn't walk and it was just really annoying. And I'm a runner and if I don't run every couple of days, I'm just twitchy, more so than normally. So, um, oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, so more so than normal. And um, it really affected everything about me and then I wasn't reading and then I wasn't writing. And I, I wonder if, for, have you ever gotten something like reader's block where you just can't 
read and has it affected your writing? So yes and no. Um, like you, I'm also like an exerciser runner and I have to always be doing something. So if, um, and, and I, I, in the same vein, I always like to be reading something. Like I usually am listening to something on Audible. Like, so when I'm driving around in my car, I, I'm listening to a book on tape. And then I always like to read at night. Like I make that part of my writing practice is to always be reading. So I have had reader's block though. Um, and I've sort of found a way to get over this. In the past, I was one of those people that always felt like if I started something, I had to finish it. So even oftentimes books that I wasn't enjoying I would force myself through and it did kind of create like a reader's block because it would take like a lot longer to finish the book yeah. and but I just couldn't get over not finishing a book so a couple of years ago though I started giving myself permission to just like if I don't like a book life's too short I am just not gonna finish reading it and that in turn keeps me kind of moving um, yeah and helps to influence and inspire like the writing yeah because if you're reading good stuff i think that that gets you excited about writing too so i think it's important yeah. keep keep yeah. reading no matter what so that's what helped me get through reader's block it's just like just deciding like if i don't like a book okay i'm i'm just not going to read it um, and just put it down that's i mean that's a great that's a great way to look at it i know when i i bought the book i spent you know 18 bucks on the yeah. book i feel like i've got to read every page um, but maybe what I what I need to just do is say I'm done, and then we have a little one of those free libraries in the park, yeah, just so, and just go and put them in there, and um, and then hope that somebody else finds it and enjoys it, and I'll just consider it my um, contribution to society. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, um, speaking of being twitchy and stuff, um, for me. Um, I get to be, I, I drink tea all the time when I'm writing and just all the time. And my doctor took me off caffeine because I was so twitchy all the time. But so I'm kind of like running around like a little chihuahua. And I used to have a chihuahua and we were kind of alike. It was always running from one thing to the other and kind of twitchy. And for you, if you had, if you could pick an animal that, that was like your spirit animal or your mascot, what would you pick for you? So I thought about that. Um, and I actually have two cats. And they, I call them like my assistant editors because they're always sort of like lounging with me or sitting on my keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Hard to um, write. But I like, if, if I was to think of like a spirit animal or an inspiring animal, I think it would be like just a regular house cat. Like they're um, really loving and warm, but yet they sort of don't care what other people think. And I, I have to, and I'm, I'm not that I do that now because like, like I do want everybody to like my book and whatever I read or write, but I want to be more like a cat in that way that like just sort of not care, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's whatever. If you like it, great. If you don't, I don't care. I'm still, uh, still happy kind of thing, which is harder to do in practice than um, it is to just talk about. You know, it is, it is harder to do. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, advice and as writers were always, reading books on how to write and and listen I listen to a ton of podcasts which one of these days I'm going to go through all these and most of my listeners are readers they're not writers but a few of them as readers might even enjoy some of the podcasts I listen to but it's always I'll hear all these pieces of advice and I sometimes I take them and sometimes I don't I just did a I just came one of the reasons I was up in St. Augustine this last weekend is I was giving a talk for a screenwriting class and I, I'm doing this talk and I'm thinking I'm telling these students about outlining and 
I don't necessarily always do these same things that I'm telling them that they should be doing. Uh, so is there, is there something that's just a, a difficult process of the, of the artistic process for you? Something that, that like with my outlining, I'm such a stickler for outlining, but with this last book, I realized I hadn't outlined enough. So is there something that, that for you that it's the most difficult part of the artistic process for you as you're putting a book together? Yeah, well, there is twofold, sort of. One thing, like, as I've now gotten to the point where I have, like, a completed manuscript and I'm trying to get that manuscript out in the world and, you know, have it picked up by a publisher, there's oftentimes so much rejection that is accompanies that. And that can really put a damper on my artistic process. So even though, like, I'm trying to work on a new project, like, right now, and we're trying to um, sell my second book, like, if a rejection comes in, like, it really hurts my artistic process. It, like, sort of, like, takes the wind out of me. So I'm trying to be more like a cat and not care as much. Um, but it's still there. So, yeah. So, so uh, as much as people say, oh, they just write to write because it satisfies something in themselves. Like, that's true. But for me, too, like, I want people to like what I write, you know, and I want it to find an audience. So the whole publication process is really... Um, hard in that way and it does affect my artistic endeavors so that's like part of it like the rejection is really a hindrance to my artistic um, creative side and then the other thing like in, if we get really specific about the process itself of putting a book together I find the hardest part for me is usually the first draft um, is just plowing through the first draft. And the thing that I've learned as I've been writing longer and longer is that you can't care too much about the first draft. It's just like Anne Lamont says, you need to do a minimum of three drafts. The first one is where you just like put it down, the down draft, you know, and just getting it down. The second draft is where you clean it up. And then the third draft is where you polish it. Um, so yeah, so though the rejection is really hard for me with the whole artistic endeavors. And then the first draft is usually the hardest. I love to edit. Like I like to edit. That's one of my favorite things to do. But um, yeah, that's that would be my answer. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can totally say that. I was um, a literary agent, and it the rejection finally is why I had to. It would make. I think it would. It bothered me more than my clients, and I'm sure it bothered them a lot. But just rejection, I just absolutely, absolutely hated hearing no's. Absolutely, absolutely hated it. So let's talk about something more fun. Let's talk about money. <laughs> um, spending it, unfortunately. So what, um, I, I'm going to be doing a writing conference in May. I'm really excited about it. It's in Chicago. Shh, I haven't told my husband yet. Shh. Okay. So um, he, uh, but the Cubs will be in town that week. So I think he'll be excited. So um, what is, uh, as a writer, what's the best money that you've ever spent on something for your craft? Okay, so I did go back to school and um, got my MFA, Master's of Fine Arts and Creative Writing. So, I, and I do think that that was money well spent because I could not be the writer I am today had I not gone through that type of sort of vigorous training. Um, but that being said, that was just sort of like in the infancy of my, my writing, you know, so I still feel like I'm an apprentice and always needing to work on it. But money well spent, I think you have to be careful too when it comes to conferences and retreats and things like that. Um, one of the ones I felt was probably the most like bang for the buck was I did the New York Pitch Conference in New York City. 
um, where that's a really, it's a pitch conference. So you're not working as much on craft itself, but you're going there and you're pitching your book and trying to get editors interested in it. And so I did feel like that was money well spent. Like if you're at that point where you have a finished manuscript and you're either trying to get an agent um, or hook a publishing house, I think you have to be really like pinpoint like where you want to go and what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. This one that I'm going to is just small group. A lot of us already know each other. Yeah. There's the speaker are, are all people I follow already. So um, I think it'll be a good kick for uh, uh, our writing um, anyway. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And the Cubs are in town and it's Chicago. Yeah. That so, sounds fun. Yeah. So I think that'll be fun. Um, let's see. I know. Oh, excuse me. My nose is so itchy. My hair is like in my face and all over. Um, now, Oh, here's one. Um, I'm always, people, Lisa, my editor, who's a friend of ours, Heather and I both know her. And she's always saying to me, like this weekend, she kept saying, she was talking about her, she's a teacher and her, her students and there's various books that they're, they're reading. And she say, have you read that book? No, no, I haven't. But I know the author. <laughs> and we just watched this movie, which I highly recommend called Authors Anonymous. And it's a mockumentary about a group of people in a writing group. And one of the girls gets a six-figure contract. This oh, is wow. how all the people react to this as it happens. And she's still trying to stay in the group and still be friends with everybody. And there's one guy that always, um, Dennis Farina, plays a character who always refers to himself in the third person. <laughs> and uh, it's just... What's the name of it again? I think I would enjoy it. It's called Authors Anonymous. Authors Anonymous. Okay. Yeah. Writing it down. Yeah. It, it stars um, Dennis Farina, 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 and Chris Klein, um, Trisha Hell, Hell, the girl from Battlestar Galactica has a small role. She has dark hair and she has a Russian accent. I think it was Russian. I didn't recognize her. I didn't look it up to see who is that. Um, uh, the girl from Big Bang Theory is in it. She plays the girl that got the contract. And oh, um, uh, Terry Polo is in it and it's just as we're watching it we're going oh my god we know these people because we've been in writing groups with these people we know these people and then sometimes it was oh my god that's me mm -hmm. so then it wasn't just funny but it was still funny um it was just um but but it made me think of novels these things the one of the characters as as they're being interviewed they keep asking her about things and she can never she can never articulate her feelings and she's always, um, 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 and then other characters ask her about books and she has never read any of these books. She can't articulate herself yet. She gets a six figure deal. So, uh, it got, it got me thinking, what have you got a novel that you feel is underappreciated and, and not just something that everybody, something that everybody always talks about. And I was trying to think if I had one of my own and I'm like, I'm not sure because I tend to forget the names of books after I read them. I remember the content, but I don't always remember. I'm bad with names. I don't always remember the name, but do you have a favorite novel that's you feel is underappreciated? Uh, I do. Sure. In fact, our mutual friend, Lisa, um, recommended the last policeman series to me. Um, it's sort of an, it's a end of the world story. And there is a, um, cataclysmic event that the world is ending and there's this guy who's just been made a detective and 
everybody else is giving up their jobs, going and doing their bucket list. And this guy, all he ever wanted to be was a detective. And he's still carrying on as a policeman as the rest of society breaks down. But um, the author's name is Ben Winters. And the novel is just really, really good. And, and I do think underappreciated. Like, I don't think a lot of people know about it. But I read that. And then I, uh, he's a series of three. I went and promptly read the other two as well. So yeah, I, I think that's, if you like that sort, I love like kind of end of the world. Um, yeah, story. I, 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 that book was on her side table and I picked it up and she was telling me about it. And I said, oh, what a great premise. He's going to solve this, this, what, this murder. Right. Even though the world is ending and nobody cares. Right. And I think the first one was what, the asteroid is six months out. And then the next yeah, one, the asteroid is. Closer and closer and closer. Yeah. yeah and the third book of the asteroid is like two days out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and the writing is beautiful. Like the premise, the hook is good. But also the writing is elegant and, you know, from a writer's standpoint, you appreciate that part of it too, that he's telling a story and he's writing it well. Yeah. And does he, is it the same guy, the same yep. detective yep. on all three books? Is he solving a murder in all three? Uh, three different, like there's three different like hooks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that to keep them all together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Have we covered everything? I'm sorry, everybody. I'm, I'm like I said, I got home like right before and I've been gone like five days and I didn't, I meant to settle this up before I left and I'm not usually this disorganized. Um, so I, I don't like being disorganized. Um, now you've got a new book you're working on, right? Yes. A little bit about. So I, um, finished my second book and it's, it was going to be called the, and the Valley wept as part of like a series. Oh, yeah. um, but I now have a new agent and we're sort of going to, we're trying to position the book as a standalone. So the title's been changed and the new title's called The Lying Season, L-Y-I-N-G, The Lying Season. Ah, I like that. Is it the same characters? No, well, some of the, the town is the same and some of the characters on the periphery are the same, like the policeman and Mr. Franks, the English teacher, they kind of float through that book as well. But the main characters change. Yeah. Okay. Do you plan then on doing more books in the same environment, the same area? We'll see. I sort of have a third one that's sort of percolating, you know, and that's now, so I, I have that second book complete and we're trying to find a home for it. So now it's like, okay, looking for the next project. And that's when I was talking about how that kind of sometimes hurts your artistic process, yeah. you know, because I'm, we're trying to get this, find this other book a home. And like, if you, if it's, you know, when you're not getting yes, 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 sometimes it makes it so hard to just focus your energy and stay positive on your next project. Um, but yeah, I, I like Millington Valley. I could see doing writing more books there in, in that fictional town. Yeah, it's a nice little town. Um, I like the people. And yeah, I, I can see that it could become a, a large series. Um, you know, um, yeah, you, you couldn't, because... I don't want to give anything away, but, um, but yeah, it, it would be a place that people could spend time and it's a, it's a small town America. And that's very comforting to people. That small town where everybody knows everybody else. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice environment. Um, the story subject is kind of um, startling and, emotional and was it based on anything or or was it just all your imagination 
Well, that's the thing is that a lot of people will ask me, they'll say like, well, is the book true? Like, are there true parts in the book? And really, um, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but what happens to Molly is not autobiographical. But the, the things I would say that are autobiographical about the book are one, the town. The town is very much like the same small town. It's like a composite of the town I grew up in, the town next to me, kind of like that whole small Pennsylvania area. That's very familiar and feels very... Um, true to life. And then the other, and it's funny that you mentioned it at the onset, the one character in there, the bully um, named Missy, yeah. she was actually inspired by a real life character in, in, in my high school. So, so while it's not all autobiographical, um, there are elements that are inspired by real life. And Wade has a drinking problem and there has been alcoholism in my family. So that's really also inspired by, by real life. Um, my second book, the narrative kind of follows some events that did happen in my life in the lying season. And then there's a real, it's fiction and there's a whole fictional um, hook, so to speak. But it kind of, the background of it is very true to some things that actually happened. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question. Yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. I mean, some, that's one thing that people ask all the time. Where do these characters come from? And a lot of the time it's just, well, I'm a writer. I made it up. Right, right. But, but sometimes there's an event that sparks something. Right. You see something, you hear something. And like I was telling this class, this, 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 this talk I was giving, you keep your eyes and ears open. And, and a lot of times you'll say something or they'll, you'll see something and that just all of a sudden sparks an idea and you're like, Oh my God. And you just have to be ready to, you know, grab that and, and write about it. And, and people, especially if it's something devastating, people always want to know, Oh my God, did that happen to you or your, or right. your mother or your sister or your next door neighbor or any of those things? Um, or did you know, read it on the news or something like that? So, you know, it's just something that, um, that it's always, you know, the gossip being the tabloidish part of all of us when we, when we read anything is, oh, I wonder if that, you know, if, you know, you're, you know, I read Jack Reacher books and I wonder when Lee Childs is out in public, what is he like? You know, is he like, is he like Jack Reacher, you know, kind of thing. So, and I said that just because that's like the book that's sitting over here. So um, anyway, so, so you're just waiting for, to find a home for this new book. Yes, at this point. Yep. Okay, good. So when you get the home for this notebook, come back and read us an excerpt. From I would that. love to. Yeah, that'd be great. So I'm excited about that one. And then, so do you have, a, are you working on anything other than this series? No, I also blog, but I haven't been doing that as regularly as I did in the past. Um, so I do have some, like a whole nonfiction side of my of myself um, through the blogging. And then I've re-syndicated a lot of those pieces on larger sites and I've sold some pieces to magazines. Um, but I've sort of not done quite as much of that in the last six months uh, as I tried to finish up novel number two. So mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm sort of like in the resettling phase, you know, figuring yeah, out- yeah. What do you blog about? Everything, like a lot of it's like just being a uh, mom to teenagers, like what that's like. Um, but no subjects really off limits. It's sort of like whatever almost. It's not very specific. I know some blogs are very specific, you know, talking about um, 
owning a Cocker Spaniel or, or something like that. But no, mine's kind of like sort of more far reaching slice of life sort of stuff. Oh, that's always great. We'll put a link in the show notes. So just send me the blog link and I'll put it in there and go read her blog. Uh, her book is great. Her blog would probably be great too, uh, especially nonfiction. I love to read nonfiction stuff. And I wish that, that I, that I could get um, text to speech where I do have a blog that I, a couple blogs that I follow and I'd love to be able to have them go in my ears like podcasts do. Oh yeah. That would be so great if it was something that I could just, you know, press the button and would just go through all of them mm -hmm. and put it in blog in podcast form because most of the time I'm, I'm either in the car or walking my dog and the dog, I have a 17 year old dog who goes two steps and then sniffs every blade of grass around her and then two steps. And then so, uh, you know, a half mile walk is 45 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. and I need to be doing something other than just standing there waiting for her to finish sniffing that blade of grass. So it would be great. And I can't read because I walk into traffic. Right. Stop doing that. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to put you that in there and there'll be a link to what the Valley knows three award winning medals. I don't want to call them medals, but she's won three awards with this book and all prestigious awards. So, and it's really good. It's gut wrenching. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Even if you don't read young adult, I wouldn't call it young adult, really. I'd call it more if you like family stories, if you like um, just the, the family and, and the, the, it's got the mother and the daughter and it's got all these things that happen to this family. So that's, it's, it's a good book. So check that out in the show notes. And um, thank you for coming by. Thank you, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, don't leave. <laughs> Okay. Thanks. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so disorganized. I'm oh, normally not this. It's fabulous. Thank you. Oh, uh, thank you so much. And it'll it'll be it'll air in two weeks. Okay. Thanks. This week's Thanksgiving, so I'm just gonna read something because no one will listen as Thanksgiving. I don't want I don't want yours to get lost. And then I'm turning this into a podcast. So okay. I'm just gonna dump all nine episodes during the week. I think I think there'll be nine episodes this Thursday. So your episode will be ten. So I'm going to dump all those into a podcast and, um, and then, uh, so then more people can find it too. So, yeah. So when you, um, put this one out, do you, can you either email me or tag me or something and then I'll share yeah. it too. So to get, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It'll be on YouTube to start. Well, it'll probably be on the podcast too. So I'm just figuring out how to do all that. And I've been waiting on, I got my opening music finally, and I've been waiting on my artwork, but I think I'm just going to have to create a, temporary something or other so um i thankfully i've taken a class um on cover design so i've got all this stuff that can help me and i've got a couple of artists that can help me too so that's gonna go out so i'll let you know when that's out and that that, that go be going through podbean but it'll be rss feeded to every place so hopefully people can find it and um i'll have transcripts in the show notes along with links to everything and anything that you want to add links to just send me links send me a link to like your, your home, your, your, either your publisher or um, a link that if somebody clicks on, it'll take them to wherever your books are. Okay. Um, and I might be able to figure out how to, I'm trying to remember what the site is. There's a site where you can create those. <laughs> so anyway, cause usually I just do like Amazon link and I, and the person's homepage and uh, they can figure it out. But um, since you're not, since you have a publisher, maybe they've got a web page. So. Yeah, I could send you, I'll send you, I'll send you a couple different links. Um, okay, so you, can, you can use what you want. Okay, great. Great. And thank you so much. I'm glad we figured it out. And yeah, hopefully, 
hopefully I'm not too um, echoey in here. Usually it's like no. <laughs> smaller and such. So yeah, so um, so thank you so much. And as soon as your next one is published, let me know and we'll do okay, this Okay, great. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hope you liked that. And you may have noticed that I was in a different location. Normally I record here in my uh, spare bedroom slash office, but it was really, really hot that day. So I went out into my kitchen area and you can see the bookshelf behind me, or you did see the bookshelf behind me if you're watching on the video. And if you're listening to the podcast, I was in a different location for that. And I hope that my refrigerator wasn't too noisy. Um, being hearing impaired, I'm uh, <laughs> not the greatest with audio. Even with my cochlear implant, I still have some audio issues. So uh, forgive me if um, the audio wasn't the best there for the interview. Uh, next week, I'm going to have try to peel off this note easily so I don't make, leave a lot of um, noise. Lori Drake is going to be here talking about her werewolf series called Grant Wolves. And um, I'm uh, uh, almost ready to start the second book in the series, and I am loving reading the werewolf series. So that has been a lot of fun for me. And uh, let's see, it, whether you're on YouTube watching or whether you're listening on a podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And I'll peel off that last note. And um, that's it. Uh, I will see you all next week. And um, have a great afternoon or evening or week. And uh, go read a good book.